<laughs> a history of comedy. It's chats. A history of comedy. Come and have a rummage in the archive. A history of comedy. It's chats. A history of comedy. Come and have a rummage in the archive. Hello and welcome to A History of Comedy in Several Objects, a podcast from the University of Kent about the British stand-up comedy archive, which exists to preserve all kinds of interesting artefacts connected with the history of stand-up comedy in Britain. I'm Ollie Double and this is my colleague Elspeth Miller and we are very much the sunny and share of comedy archiving. So the idea of the podcast is that we pick one object from the archive each episode and we discuss it try and actively interpret it and by doing so reveal something about the nature of stand-up comedy. So Elspeth what have we got for our object today? Today um, for our episode we are looking at um, a tour programme, an official tour programme from the first and I think only Red Wedge comedy tour which was in 1987 Um, and the comedy tour followed on from previous kind of music tours, Red Wedge music tours, which had happened um, kind of from 85 and 86. Um, so the programme kind of lists a little bit about ro- what Red Wedge was, lists the tour dates, and then has kind of biographies for each of the kind of comedian um, performers, com- comedy slash poets. Performers. Yeah, OK. So it says on the front, uh, Red's Laugh Louder, the first Red Wedge comedy tour. Cheap, 50p, official programme. And uh, inside you've got this photo here of some of the musicians who were involved in earlier versions of Red Wedge. I certainly recognise Paul Weller there. And another massively important player in Red Wedge was Billy Bragg. Um, And you've got a list of the uh, venues that they played to there. Do you want to have a have a look at who we where where they played? So for the comedy tour in '87, they started in London in February, and then they played in Portsmouth, Crawley, Cardiff, Birmingham, Preston, Sheffield, Manchester, Barnsley, Leeds, Huddersfield, Newcastle, Edinburgh, Liverpool. Wolverhampton and finished in March in Swansea. Actually, there was Leicester as well, but I mean, oh, probably sorry, best. Sorry, Leicester. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, most people pass through. I'm Leicester. <laughs> uh, but, but, but I mean, that's a, it's a decent sized tour. I mean, you've, mm. you've got a number of dates uh, all around the country. I mean, you've got the south of England, the north of England, Wales, the Midlands, Scotland. Um, and I think that one thing that would have been significant about this would have been that it was one of the early examples of alternative comedy touring the country, going beyond London where it started and uh, appearing in other towns. Not the first example of that because the comic strip toured very early in their existence but certainly an early example. It was when this kind of comedy as a live event wasn't necessarily that well known outside of London. And then you go through it, as I say, you've got all these kind of uh, biographies. And on the back, you've got something very intriguing, which is a cartoon. And who's this cartoon by? By Porky the Poet, otherwise known as Phil Jupitus. Right. So Phil Jupitus, in a, in a former existence, was a performance poet called Porky the Poet, and also a cartoonist, also using the, the name Porky. I first came across him... I think, as um, the illustrator of the Billy Bragg songbook. Um, so, yeah, if you get hold of a 1980s copy of the Billy Bragg songbook with free flexi-disc in the back, mm-hmm. yeah, showing you how to play the songs, um, then you'll find illustrations by Phil, a.k.a. Porky. But the, the big question is, of course, what is or what was Red Wedge? 
Now, as, as it happens, uh, as another item in the archive, we have a recording of an event that Phil Jupiter did with us in 2015. He came in to do a live interview in front of an audience, and as part of that interview, he explained what Red Wedge was. So I think he's probably in a better position than us to explain Red Wedge. So here he goes. Edit. For younger viewers, what was Red Wedge? Uh, Red Wedge was an organisation started at the time uh, which uh, we're seeing a tribute version of at the moment, which is when the Labour Party had socialists in it. <laughs> and three, four. Thought that would get a bigger laugh. Uh, um, and Red Wedge basically was set up by, by Billy Bragg and it was, it, he wanted there to be like a, an arts organisation that worked with the Labour Party, but not as a kind of PR exercise for the Labour Party, just to have celebs going around the country saying vote Labour, which is what Arts for Labour was, really, but an actual uh, organisation that would go around the country and then meet with youth groups in the various cities we played and talk about their concerns and what they wanted. And we kind of wanted to use it as a a policy-generating engine. And within three years, it became quite apparent that they just wanted pop stars to go on stage and say vote Labour. Uh, I worked at... um, Walworth Row, the Labour Party offices, in the Red Wedge office for six months. And, uh, oh, they didn't like us. <laughs> they really didn't like us, because they, they, they... It's got... Politics. Any of you going to politics? Good fucking luck. <laughs> it's like, you know... Have you ever seen, what's that, what was that... What's, What's that thing on Netflix with Kevin Spacey in it? House of Cards. The British version of House of Cards before, that kind of Machiavellian weird... It's like politics is light compared to what I saw going on at Woolworth Road. Just, oh, Jesus. Anyway, so that, this, what, you've got, what you're looking at there is youthful optimism. <laughs> and a biro. <laughs> see the word vote and change oh man alive I'm 53 now and I am laughing on the inside (laughs) because the thing is is we started all this stuff and I remember the election in 97 uh, the election in 1987 I remember really vividly I went out in the east end of London I was canvassing all day around these estates in the east end and I'd been on tour with Bragg and the Red Wedge tour in 87 you know, the election, where we played marginal constituencies, and we had like 2,000 Labour supporters a night, just screaming, and I remember the night we did uh, uh, Wolverhampton Civic, uh, the gig finished, and everyone went goodnight, and I put on Free Nelson Mandela by the specials, and no one left the hall. The crowd refused to go, and we turned the lights on, and we're flashing them, and they wouldn't go, and they just fucking, they wouldn't leave the room, they were just like that, and then we turned the record off, and they just kept singing it. <laughs> One of the most amazing things I've seen at a gig, but I'd spent basically six weeks just around Labour supporters. I thought we were going to walk the election and we got smashed. Uh, Harvey Proctor's result for Basildon came in at about 20 past 11. And that was the beginning of the end. I phoned a mate who was at the Mean Fiddler at the Red Wedge end of tour election night party and people were crying. Just hundreds of people just weeping because it's Thatcher's third term. 87 was her third term. And, uh, yeah, that sucked balls. Um, <laughs> now, it's actually worse. <laughs> you used to be able to get a fucking student grant in 87. <laughs> what are you laughing for? <laughs> Education should be fucking free. <laughs>
So one quote that uh, leaps out at me there, and it's probably not the one you're thinking of, uh, is youthful optimism and a biro. With that in mind, should we um, give, the, give it a go reading out this cartoon on the back? It's a strip cartoon, and it's called A, a Tale, Tale of, of Two Punters. Punters Tonight, after the concert. I have seen the light. It's all fallen into place. Socialism isn't a dirty word to me anymore. The Labour Party really do care and can make a difference. I have found the strength of my nature and now I'm going to take control. Uh, but if peace, bread, work and freedom is the best we can achieve in this breadline Britain, I'm going to get out of my armchair, uh, shake off my useless rhetoric and go for it. Back. There's a big election soon and I'm going to put my cross in the right box. But... Don't try and put me off. I'm voting Labour. Are you registered to vote then? Because if you're not, you won't be voting for anybody. Whoops. Um, well, uh, not really. Well, go to the town hall and ask for a form to be included on the electoral register. Most town halls have got an electoral registrations officer and they're the ones who will help you. Believe me, you're not the only one. Is he? Register, register to, to vote. vote. For a change. I think that's really sweet. <laughs> it's a shame you can't sort of see the pictures because they are fun. I feel like, is this like a self-portrait? I think it is. I, I, I don't think it's an accident that it looks like him. I, th I think it is a little bit. I think it's the earring, because he used to have an earring. When he oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it probably is supposed to be him. <laughs> so let's have a look at the acts who were on in, in the tour. Um, you've got... Uh, mark me words there. Um, so he was from Sheffield. Um, was a was a very very good actor. He started as a comic poet. He used to be on a program on the early days of Channel Four. The when Channel Four first started, there was a program called The Tube, which was a sort of cool rock show presented by Jules Holland and Paul Yates. And uh, he used to do a poem every week. Um, but he was also like a like quite a sort of. Um, uh, big name on the comedy circuit and his act sort of evolved into a stand-up act and a very very good one and he later dropped them in words mm. it's a funny name mark me words but <laughs> he, he he dropped them in words and went back to his actual name of mark hurst um so yeah he was he was a really good act it'd be interesting to know in 87 whether he was still i think he's probably much more of a stand-up comedian than a poet by this point because I've got a recording of him. We've got it on one of the albums in the archive, actually, called Let the Children Play, and that's from about 1985. And on that one, he's definitely, like, stand-up. Like, the, the track is stand-up. It's not a poetry act. And then we've got Skint Video. Half of Skint Video still going as a solo act. That's uh, Steve Gribbin, who you see over here. They were a kind of comedy singing act. They would do sort of comedic cover versions of well-known songs uh, with sort of political and just general comic themes a real kind of barnstorming act with two people on stage you can whip up a lot of energy um, so uh, yeah uh, they're looking both impossibly young uh, yeah. Steve Gribbon's only 25 there I note from the um, from the blurb and then you've got Sensible Footwear um, I remember them being around I don't remember much about them they were a sort of feminist uh, comic theatre group really or cabaret group I suppose have we got any other material relating to them? We do we've got, um, they seem to be on the bill a lot with Attila the stockbroker from his from the material he's given us they often shared a bill um, but since since we received that 
material in. I've noticed sensible footwear a lot more in the other material that we already had. So I think they're definitely kind of a part of that cabaret scene. And again, as we've noted in a number of earlier episodes, uh, it was often known as alternative cabaret rather than alternative comedy. It was known as both, but the cabaret was important because it acknowledged that it wasn't just stand-up comedians. And even in this bill, you've got a kind of comedian-turned-poet. You've got a comedy singing double act you've got a kind of a triple act by the look of it uh, at this point you know the, no, nothing is straightforward and then and then you've got this guy do you want to <laughs> Craig, say who that is Craig Charles who's, who's better known for Red Dwarf it's like Red a major Dwarf. theme in these podcasts isn't yeah it? Well, it, keeps, it keeps coming back <laughs> Red Dwarf keeps coming up in the podcasts um, I mean he, he started his career as a kind of comic poet and uh, Again, I think he used to appear on things like, if, if not the Tube, things like that. That's where I first became aware of him. And obviously he works as an actor as well. Um, so, yeah, it's not, it's not a straightforward comedy bill by today's standards at all. Um, and then you've got information about joining the Labour Party. Best wishes to Red Wedge from the Transport and General Workers' Union. Keep the weapon of satire alive in the arsenal of Labour, it says. <laughs> That's... Um, incredibly old-fashioned it seems now to me um you know your trade unions have been sort of were very successfully marginalized i think under thatcher and then that continued under blair and it's continued under the present shower um uh, although you know perhaps coming back a bit with jeremy corbyn at the head of the labor party Mm. but it, it does it goes back to phil's point i think about youthful optimism I think this was a really kind of touching attempt to not just use popular culture to address political themes but to directly intervene in the the political process using pop music and comedy that's a a fantastically optimistic thing to do it's something I'm not sure I can imagine happening in quite the same way today I mean I think I think naive possibly looking back on it and certainly that's it proved to be unsuccessful Uh, but at the same time you know very admirable I think I've just been before we finish this episode I I want to pick up on some more things in the brochure I've just noticed some of the names it mentions in terms of the music or the musical acts that uh, have supported Red Wedge and I can't help noticing that Gary Kemp is in there of Spandau Ballet and acting fame uh, what's interesting about that is that uh, Tony Hadley, the lead singer of Spandau Ballet, is a noted Tory supporter. So that must have been fun in their <laughs> tour bus. There's some other fun names in their madness. People from the specials, Morrissey. So is there anything else you notice before we move on? Uh, so in the, the list of tour dates, you've got a couple which are also they're described as benefits. So the, the Barnsley gig in March is also an NUM benefit. Um, and the final Swansea <laughs> um, gig on the 16th of March. I'm not going to be able to say that word. It is in Festiniog. Welsh. Yeah, Quarryman benefit. Festiniog Quarryman benefit. I don't know what that means. Well, it's quite interesting that alongside the Red Wedge tour, it was also they're also doing benefits for other kind of groups and organisations as well. Which Ma- and that features quite heavily in um, in the archive. They sort of the intersection of comedy and politics. We've got loads of posters and flyers of kind of comedians doing minus benefits, which I think we've briefly touched on in other episodes. Um, and then other quite um, political benefits for particular parties. So we've got another 
like Labour benefits, we have Socialist Workers Party benefits. So I always think that's quite an interesting um, intersection that you, you get in the in the in the archives, which might not people might not be that aware of. It's also interesting that the NUM benefit, because this is 1987, so it's in the recent sort of history of this moment that the miners' strike has been fought and lost. Mm. Must have been a devastating time, I would imagine, for miners who've been involved in that and been through all that poverty to only end up losing and having all those pits close anyway. Um, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, and again, it takes us back to something we've talked about before, which is they're all left-wing causes. Mm. Uh, that that there was a book published, as I've mentioned in a previous episode in 1979, about comedians, in which it was clearly stated that it, that a left-wing comic is would be unthinkable. Uh, that the comedians weren't overtly political at all, and the political sympathies that they did tend to embody tended to be much more conservative. And now that seems like such an odd thing to say because there's always this thing that journalists say, oh, where are the right-wing comedians? As if there's some injustice being done. But, you know, there are some right-wing comedians around, but the, the, the problem is a lot of the people who want to become comedians, you know, aren't right wing right um, so you can't what could you do legislate to make equal opportunities for right wing comedians I don't know um, but, uh, but but I mean the fact is that that the association of comedy now is is for at least sympathy towards left wing causes and that was a direct result of alternative cabaret alternative comedy and of course cemented by things like this the Red Wedge comedy tour now, this podcast isn't just about us telling you about things. It's also about you getting involved directly yourself. And there are various ways in which you can get involved. Get involved! There are various different ways you can get involved with this podcast. But first, you'll need to know our email address, which is standup, all in one word, no hyphen, at kent.ac.uk. And if you can't remember that, you can contact us using social media first way you can get involved is to go to our online catalogue. You can find the web address on our blogs and social media. Um, search the catalogue, find an object or a record that you're interested in and nominate it for a future episode. The chocolate chip version of that is to arrange to come in and look at material from the archive for yourself. You can do this if you're an ordinary member of the public interested in comedy, if you're a student, if you're an academic researcher or a journalist. And if you record a piece of audio about one of the objects you've seen and send it to us, we might use it in a future episode. And the other thing you can do to get involved in the podcast is to record your own version of our theme tune, and we may use it in a future episode. A History of Comedy and Several Objects is devised and presented by Dr Oliver Double and Elspeth Miller for the British Stammer Comedy Archive, brought to you by the University of Kent. This is made possible by the University of Kent's Public Engagement Research Fund. Photography by Matt Wilson and editing and production by Matt Hulse.